This is Give Me Some Truth, a podcast from Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. Give Me Some Truth is dedicated to providing an accessible and authentic view into the financial services industry, as well as current events and investment concepts that you can apply in your day-to-day life. You gotta leave your money behind you. Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Today we have guests in the booth. Uh, Clint and I are here as the usual suspects, and the... Uh, the guests in the the booth are uh, here to uh, to talk about kind of their journey and how they got to where they are now, and um, just kind of some things to think about for people that um, are inclined to to either be charitable or kind of want to think about um, how to get involved in the community. Um, they have a really interesting story, and we're excited to have them here today. Well, and they're a married couple and now business partners, which. I don't know. It's always like you talk about that sometimes. Like Courtney and I've talked about it a little bit. Like, is it uncouth to bet in front of them as to whether or not <laughs> both of these will continue which, for which a period of time? I want an over under on which. Could on, you on it. Yeah. keep one? Do you have to keep both? It's a parlay bet. You could parlay it. Is what you could do. That's right. We'll work that out. I'm later. giving them great odds. They're great people, and they love each other. You can tell. Plus, they just had a kid, so you know it's just kind of, it's kind of <laughs> one of those. So, welcome, Dan and Leah. Right. Thanks for, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yes. thank you. And just know that we do have a weak operating agreement, so if things do go south, I'm not sure what legal recourse I have. Wow, that's <laughs> true. And I will say that I fire Dan from the business about twice every day and then bring him back on in some ancillary role. You imagine how the payroll on that works? Terminated, and then and then hired, and then terminated, and then hired, and then... It's a real problem for workers' comp. It's just it really is. Dan gets 48 W-2s at the end of every year. <laughs> So the two of you have, have started a journey that, that began in accounting, right? Yes. We're both CPAs, recovering CPAs. Yeah. So we met our first jobs out of college. We met sitting next to each other in a large conference room, and uh, I guess it was love at first sight. Yeah. So they, they start everyone in public accounting. There's like 100 people in the starting class, and I tell Dan that I was too lazy to get up and meet any new people, so I just went with the guy who was sitting next to me. And, you know, I'm very revenue-driven, so I thought, how can I double my salary the first day? I'll start dating this guy. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I guess mission accomplished, right? Well, yeah, I mean, and very you know? efficient. <laughs> I like all about this story here. I, yes. You know, at that time in my life, I was a little more materialistic, so I saw his watch. I thought it was a Movado. It was a child's fossil watch, so I... <laughs> <laughs> I did not do perception is reality. Total due diligence. (laughs) Wow, I know when I met my wife, that story was bad. This one kind of trumps that. Is it's great? That's fantastic because it has like threads of laziness to it and threads of like you know "Hmm, I could double my salary. I like all of that. Yep, and our first kiss was at um, the corporate training center. So we have, yeah, it's just, it was just a love story. Wow. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> That's a weird CPA love story. What is that like? Oh my gosh. And kind of now, I don't know, today's time. I mean, I don't know if that's uncouth to do that and, you know, to date, you know, all that sort of stuff. Oh yeah. There. You guys are like, violating something no, for sure. Well, yeah, for sure. Um, and we can get into, you know, our life journey after that. But at one point in my life, I was told I was in charge of HR. And at that point I was like, I think the only thing I know about HR is that I was reported to it once because I was secretly dating my coworker. <laughs> oh, you have to now. That's yeah. a big deal. You have to yeah. report that now. Well, yeah. now you do. When I first grew up, that was not yeah. it. You know, as first in the, in the business, but now, yeah, that's like a big, big deal. But it's interesting at CPA firms. I'm sure at other firms too, there's a ton of people that date 
get married. And I think it's, you know, there's some science behind when you go through a really difficult struggle with someone, you really, you connect with them. And that's like, they talk about if you get trapped in an elevator with people, you all of a sudden have this deep friendship because you've been trapped together doing something. And that's what busy season is. It's this horrific, horrific time of the year where you're like in the trenches. And so I think that a lot of love blossoms from CPA firms because of that. Wow. Why does anybody do that job? I don't understand why. Love blossoms out of April fifteenth and October fifteenth, <laughs> wow. right? It's just. Yep. Just I don't see the moments. movie studios like fighting for the for that script of like they how do we should. make this into a romantic comedy? Two CPAs fall in love. You're like, nope, nope, no. Nope. You know that's a great idea. Living I think we should coffee. quit what we're doing and start writing. Ooh, write a love story, write a yeah. romantic comedy. Yeah. Well, we have to make Rowan Co. work because otherwise we have to go back. So that's really the motivation every day. <laughs> yeah, it's true. When you start your own business, you think about, you know, what is the worst thing that could happen? And for us, it's that we'd have to go back to public accounting. That's right? literally what we think about every day is, okay, if this doesn't work, we have to go back into a cube and busy season. And that's enough to keep us really working hard. <laughs> well, yeah, fear is a great motivator, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. that's, uh, it was kind of like when we started the firm, you know, I never once even thought about failure, which means that I'm completely a myopic, myopic psychopath because I should have thought about that at, at some point. My wife reminds me that I never asked her like whether or not I should, like whether or not I can open the business. You know, I just did it. <laughs> like I just did it. And she was, she's pretty pissed off at me <laughs> at one point. She's like, you never even asked if this was okay. And I'm like, I don't know. I <laughs> Never thought it would fail. So what are you talking about? Yeah. So I, That's I don't know. Fantastic. I think I you're forgiven that. through success, right? Where it's one of those because it was successful. You're like, well, you can't hold that against me because it's successful. Now. We're fine so, now. I think. Right. Yeah. Right. So, we better be. You better just, check in. <laughs> is there a statute of limitations on that where she can't be mad at you anymore? I don't know. We're gonna bring in the wives for a podcast this year. That's one of my goals for oh, 2019. I want to bring in all the wives. None of us have anything to do with it, and let them go. <laughs> Let them go for as long as they want to talk about us. I love that so much. <laughs> wow, that'd be interesting. Yeah. That'd yeah. Be interesting. So, okay, before we get to Rowan Co., take All us right, just... For, thanks for joining us today. <laughs> <laughs> Great idea, good. Okay, so before we get into Rowan Co., just take us through your journey real quick um, from each one of you, you know, how you got there to Rowan Co. Yeah. So, okay, so it started with public accounting, my job, and it was... Soul sucking is the most delicate term that I can use for it. It just wasn't, I just wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't living out my life purpose. I wasn't connecting with, you know, my why in life. And I was just getting extremely burnt out and just didn't feel fulfilled at the end of the day. And so I knew I needed to make a change. I knew I needed to do something different. And Dan and I are both people that we will not just sit back and endure life. We will make intentional choices to create the lives that we want and the lives that work best for us. So I found a different job and it was in Madison, Wisconsin. So we lived in Chicago. And so I came up here to Madison to work for a fantastic woman, Luella at Fine Point Consulting. And so I was doing outsourced accounting CFO services for startups in Madison. And I had never been introduced to the entrepreneurial ecosystem before. Um, and then I realized that's where I wanted to live and breathe. I loved the passion of entrepreneurship. I loved the risk-taking. It was just so exciting and intoxicating and 
So that's what I've been doing. I've been working with startups. Um, most recently, I worked full-time at HealthFinch, a startup here in Madison, and I was hired as their VP of Finance and Operations. And on that first day, they asked me, you know, no one here is doing people ops. Can you um, do that as well? And, you know, it's, it's a startup. I'm scrappy. I, like, rolled up my sleeves. I'm like, oh, for sure I can do that. Quickly went over to my computer, Googled what is people ops, learned that it's, you know, it's HR, but it's also... Um, recruitment, it's culture development, it's people development, it's all of this other um, really amazing intangible things. And that's when working on that, I realized that that is my why, that is my calling, that is my passion. It is to work with companies on people and culture, on the strategy, on the implementation. And really, at the end of the day, I do everything that I do because I want to help people live more joyful, fulfilled lives. And I believe I love business and I believe culture is so important in every business to help people live completely fulfilled, joyful lives. So then we had a baby in July. We had been dreaming of going into business together for years. And most people say, oh, right after you have a baby is probably not the best time. But for us, it was. I like to say we had to wait for our CEO to be born and she was born and we took the plunge and now we own our own business, Rowan Co. And... We've honestly, this week especially, we've had one of those weeks where we just look at each other and we're just like laughing. We're like, can you believe that this is what we do now? Like if every moment feels so exciting and so good. And the fact that, you know, we get to work with incredible people, we get to do these things that we love to do and we're getting paid for it. It's just a complete dream come true. So that's, that's how I got here. So do you think that, <laughs> I mean, as a, as going up to the CPA ecosystem and kind of transition to where you are now. I mean, were you kind of misplaced as far as, are you a right brain CPA and that's why you didn't stick in that? Is that you just more creative than the average CPA and that's where you got there and you aren't that left brain, left brain analytic? Yeah. You know, I think that I am a mixture of both and I think it took time and it took a, a journey to realize that, I, I use both sides of my brain really well and that I don't have to choose one over the other. I can use both. When I work with companies on people and culture, so much of it has an, uh, has an effect on your bottom line, on profitability. And so I, that's my, that's Dan and my, that's our differentiators that we are CPAs. So we come in and we, we work on people and culture strategy and implementation, but we're not just doing it to make people feel good. We're looking at the business holistically. We're thinking about revenue strategy. We're thinking about operational efficiency. We're looking for ways to um, you know, create these amazing cultures that will also bring profit to your company. So it's about purpose, it's about people, and it's about profit. So it's all of it. And also, you're, you're an extrovert. You know, I am an yeah, extrovert. Definitely. I mean, it's very <laughs> clear, right? Yeah. I yeah. consider myself to be like kind of an, was it an omnivert where you're kind of like right in between the two? You know, I, I wouldn't consider myself an I think an that means extrovert. you just eat plants. I think <laughs> it is omnivore. I, I know is what, what an omnivore is? is. I know what one of those is. <laughs> I think that is true, though. It's omnivert, isn't it? Is it not? I'm you're the culture up. lady. No, I'm looking think, it up right I think now. that's Hold the on. term. I yeah. think it is, right? Yeah. And yes, but I am definitely an extrovert. Yes. Which I was actually surprised. Dan is also an extrovert. Um, I don't know if you all have done all those personality tests and everything, but we've done, you know, Strengths Finders, Myers Briggs, all that. Um, and I feel like mine were all very like, oh yeah, this makes sense. And Dan's were really fascinating to me for the different strengths that he has and you know that he's an extrovert. And 
I guess, yes, he is an extrovert compared to me. I thought he was an introvert just because I'm like a manic extrovert, you know? <laughs> so I feel like, <laughs> like, I don't think he's gotten to speak once yet on this podcast. He is right. here. He's an, I would consider him to be an extrovert listener. You're an yeah. extrovert talker. It's just different, right? That's why the that's why us as a married couple, parents, and business partners works well because I do a lot of talking and Dan is so good at listening, nodding, smiling, telling me I'm doing a really great job. They're like Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah. <laughs> this is what they are. <laughs> Egg, yeah, yeah. All right, hold on. I, Let me jump in here. So an omnivert means somebody who eats plants only. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> an omnivert is a person who exhibits features from an extrovert and an introvert coined by Kimball Young in Source Book for Social Psychology, 1927. See, Nate always fact checks, fact checks me when I say these things. And well, I and if you try to make words up, too. I don't I mean, make well, up words. Well, that kind of was. <laughs> it appears that you made a word up, which is fine. I'll, we'll go to... We'll go to Wikipedia and see if it's actually it's real. Stuff. You went to Wikipedia, not the Urban Dictionary. So. <laughs> I do the same thing in Scrabble, though, too. Just so you know, it's not just you. You know, I, I you know, I, I believe, but we're gonna, we're gonna, we're like, gonna verify. is not a word. I don't care what Scrabble says when you like put it down. I, I play Scrabble sometimes. Qui? It's like Q I, and you get credit for that. There's a bunch of crap words in there that my wife gets on me all the time. She's better than I'm at Scrabble. My daughter tried to drop narwhal on me which everybody on the planet knows is an animal, and I have never heard of nor seen this thing. And I was like, that's not even a word. Whatever. Have you watched Elf? Seriously, people are like, how do you not know what a narwhal is? So now the the um, wallpaper on my phone is, is a narwhal because my daughter tro- trolled me and put put that as a... Uh, I did not know what a narwhal was either. This awesome. is a millennial thing. I think. Awesome. I don't know. I have now <laughs> found we two invented the narwhal. narwhal. This is a real animal. You guys invent and Look wreck everything. I don't know. How what, is that real? Yeah. That's a real animal. It's scary. That's like prehistoric. It's called the unicorn of the sea. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. All right. Awesome. Dan. Yeah, I'll just give a little light commentary. <laughs> is Dan here? Back, back to business. So I'm also the eye candy of Rowan Co. So <laughs> check us out at rowancompany.com to Obviously. do a comparison. Obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we met in Chicago at a big accounting firm, and I learned a lot. I, I cherished my time there, but the problem was I was always on the – I was an auditor, so I was uh, I was never helping a company succeed. I was always fact-checking them at the end, and they never sat well with me. I always wanted to be on the side of like helping companies grow. Uh, and it, it wasn't as evident to me in Chicago as when I moved here and transferred with the firm and was working on companies here that there was just so much room for um, – there's much more small, medium-sized businesses in Madison that are more accessible uh, than were to me in Chicago. And you know, with Leah doing the work she was doing, it, I just had this itch that like I needed to help companies like, on a consulting level like, get where they need to go. Um, and that just showed itself over the five years we've been here. And so I know that one of your passions is definitely efficiency. You know, we've talked a little bit about that, whereas Leah's more culture. So can you talk a little bit about your efficiency side and what drew you to that part of the business? Yeah, so the big thing that I would go in these companies as in Chicago is that these are old established companies that make tons of money, and part of my job was to go talk to some of like the mid to lower level people, and I would just be amazed, and I'm like, you've been doing the same thing the same way for 10 years, and no one was asking anything about it, and it always was weird to me when I moved to Madison, and companies were, you know, these were scaling and trying to do all these big things and had these big dreams, like that wasn't possible for them. Like each of their people was more important. They had to be lean. They wanted to embrace new technology and they, they were willing to change and be better. And I was always just so um, interested in, in how I can help with that. Yeah. And Dan has an incredible ability to 
look at operations, look at processes and find and leverage technology to automate them, not in a way to eliminate work, but in a way to eliminate the parts of someone's job that can be automated so they can work on the more valuable revenue generating pieces of the business and things that actually light them up. And I think also what's impressive about Dan is his love of efficiency is not just for businesses. Like we did a house renovation last year that Dan led. He general contracted the entire thing. And every piece of our house now has been like optimized. So it's like, it's so funny to me to be able to see like, he's not just amazing at doing this for businesses, but like our house, like every single thing is completely optimized and efficient. It's incredible. So for yourself, is there some sort of, um, like just day to day, is there an app or is there something that you use every day that's just essential that you find to be, you know, increase your efficiency during the day? Um, really just pen, pen and paper lists, I guess, you know, <laughs> for myself, I don't have a great app that we do use Asana internally, um, but we just have literally brown paper rolls on the wall that we write stuff on and then cross and it I think off. the efficiency piece of that yeah. is that we get really clear every day on what's the one thing that can move our business forward. And that's something that uh, we learned through working with our business coach. It's there's a million things you can do in your business, but what's the one thing that is going to move the needle the most that day? Or what's the one thing that if you do that, it makes everything else easier or un or unnecessary. And so we get very focused on that. So I'm interested about the business coach piece of it. I mean, you know, I, I don't think that people use business coaches as often as they probably should. And Nate and I have talked about it too. And I, I don't know. I mean, I've seen wildly successful people. Uh, you know, Charlie in here, I know Ryan Smith, the, the, both of those guys that have come here and spoke on the podcast, they both use business coaches. I mean, tell us a little bit about your experience with, with the business coach. Yeah, so we hired a business coach because when we were originally starting the business, we were kind of curious and make, we wanted to make sure we can productize this. You know, work-life balance was, was a priority to us. We didn't want to turn around in 10 years and be selling, you know, buckets of time by the hour and truly not have built anything. Like, we had the skills to do that. So we really wanted to get a third, objective third party kind of pull that together for us. Yeah, somebody to challenge us on our thinking and to push us to think bigger, but also to keep us accountable. Um, Dan and I are also very... We love learning new things, and we are the first people to say that we are not really ex – I, I mean, we're not experts in anything. We're always learning. We're always um, gaining new skills, and so we don't know what we don't know. And so working with a business coach has been really great because he has all this other experience and has worked with all these different industries that he's able to you know, bring in this knowledge. So it's awesome because he's a coach that um, pushes us and – has us do the work, but he also can bring in his viewpoint and his expertise as well. So honestly, I feel like working with him has gotten, has catapulted us. So, I mean, we would probably get to where we wanted to go, but it would be much longer. What do you guys find as kind of the thing you, you look back on from before you had the business and it's, it's way different now being where you're at in the business than what you thought it was going to be. I mean, is there something where you look at and go, wow, the majority of this feels like what we thought it was going to feel like, but this one thing feels way different than what we thought it was going to be. Yeah, I'll take this question in like a positive way. I thought that when we started the business, so we have three areas of expertise that we focus on, and that's revenue strategy, operational efficiency, people and culture. So the things that we love to do. Um, I thought that we would get all of our clients for revenue strategy because money is really sexy and people want more of it. They want to spend less of it. Um, and so I thought that's how we'd pull everyone in. And then I would, you know, get in there and pitch them, oh, we can do this for people and culture because that's ultimately the work that I 
just love. And what's been interesting is people are all coming to us with, um, with people and culture. Like that's what we're selling now. And so it's what was, we thought we were kind of like virtual outsource COOs at the beginning. Now it's becoming much more clear that the need and what the market wants and our niche is really in an outsource head of people and culture, which is really exciting for us. Why is that? Why is it exciting? No, no. Why, oh. why is that? Why is that in such, such high demand? Because I think p- businesses are realizing more and more that they need, they don't have time, to- they can't waste time and money on not having the right people. You need the right people, you need them in the right roles, and you need them doing the right work. And a lot of times that's, you know, that falls on a CEO or a leader of a company to have a handle on all that, but you can't be doing that and be the visionary, and be inspiring the team, and be moving the company forward. So there's this need to have somebody, to have somebody with that expertise to come in and do a strategy and implement it in a way that's really aligned with who you are as a business, where you want to go, aligned with your values. But at the same time, you don't. a lot of businesses can't afford to have a full-time person in that role, and you don't need a full-time person in that role. I've done that role in full-time mm. at companies in the past, and so the model that we're doing and having outsourced, it's, it brings a ton of value. It helps these companies, but it also doesn't cost them. It's not going to break the bank for them. And how explicit should somebody be when they're describing their culture? You know, you say, sometimes I think you walk into a place and they say, well, it's just a feel, you know, it's just, it's just a feel like when you walk into our office, there's a feeling of, of a certain type of culture we've had, but we've had internal discussions of saying, how explicit should we be for the next advisors and things like that as we grow? Is that something that should be committed pen to paper or, or you know, just in a really long document? How much time do you spend on putting that together? I definitely believe that you should, you know, codify your culture and what you want because so the way that we define culture is that it's your company's values and beliefs manifested in the behavior of everyone at your company. Culture is not a document. It is not, these are our values. It is what are you doing? What are the actions you're taking? How are you behaving? Um, and so I think that that is really important for, I think it's really important to have that written down, but it's more than that. It is the actions that you're taking. And one thing too, that I wanted to ask you about, cause I'm, I'm fascinated by Alice and I also, you know, my wife is in training and in development and she develops e-learning. And so it, it's just a situation where I think that one of the fatal flaws that companies have is when they start cutting budgets or they don't allocate budget to certain places that it's in places like developing culture or it is in places of softer skills or it's in place of uh, training and development. And I think that there's a huge flaw that companies have of not putting the actual resources in. Like training develop now has become a check the box type of thing. Like we're no longer going to be sued by somebody because we've got this HR box checked. And you're like, well, that's important. But, you know, <laughs> there are some things that are way more important than that. And I think training has just fallen by the, the wayside here, too. Absolutely. And I think that's something, you know, the difference by working with us is we are CPAs, so we do think about, you know, we understand budgets, we understand forecasting. So when these companies, you know, need to cut costs, there is a way to do that and not cut your culture because culture is not all the perks and the benefits. You know, a lot of the clients that we work with right now, we work with them really on communication. In order to scale a company effectively and to have the have a culture, you need to have a culture for scaling, you need a foundation of trust, strong communication, and alignment. And so what we realize with a lot of these companies is the communication is 
is flawed. And so when you're not communicating, when you're not communicating why you're doing the things you're doing, why they're important, then people start not trusting leadership. They start not trusting each other. And then nobody's aligned towards a common goal. And a lot of times what's interesting is you need to know the vision of the company. You need to know where you're going to be aligned. And it's a, a lot of business leaders either have not communicated the vision or they don't communicate it enough. As an owner of a business, you're living in the vision every day, but your staff isn't. And so you need to be communicating that and in a way that rallies the troops because you can have the same message and you can communicate it in a way that everyone disengages and doesn't care, or you can message it in a way that really rallies everyone together and gets people excited for the future. So that's a lot of the work we've been doing recently is working with CEOs and leaders of businesses on their communication and doing it in a way that builds trust, gains alignment, and really brings everyone together. And it's not just, you know, having a ping pong table and bring your dogs to work and uh, be around tap on Fridays, right? No, that is tangible representations of your culture, but that is, that is not your culture. It's so funny because it, like it's almost like the Silicon Valley, like the Google, um, I guess, change to culture that they kind of put in place with this whole like yeah we're you know flip flops and dogs and you know ping pong tape. I think people, in a way, kind of miss the point there. Like that's like you're saying that's the tangible thing. So companies just think if I put a ping pong table in, I'll get that culture. It's kind of interesting how like. We, they've taken they've taken the thing, but they don't have the actual message or momentum behind the thing. They just kind of bought the end product and was like, "Well, I'm, how come this didn't change my culture?" It's such an interesting deal. We call those uh, vanity benefits, and I, I think they're amazing. I see all the time where companies are like, "Oh, you know, we'll pay for you go back to college up to like five grand." So, like, well, how many times have you paid that out? Like, do you give the people to room to go? Like. You know, and all those things. Or I see a ping pong table at all these companies folded up in the corner. It's been there for ten years. It was so cool to buy. You know, so we call those vanity benefits, and I think they're 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 pretty hysterical. What might some benefits be that are newer types of benefits that companies should consider adding that are actually additive to culture? Well, I think they all go around your values. Like Leah's got some good examples. It's better to have two van or two benefits that are extremely aligned to your values than ten that you just you know all your competitors have. So you threw it on your job description. One thing that's been um, resonating for me recently because I was on maternity leave was, first of all, this country, we need to get better about the maternity and the paternity leave that we offer to people. Now going through it, um, you know, you need that time as a family with a newborn to really learn who, who you are as a new mom and a new dad. So that aside, everyone needs to offer good maternity, paternity leave, but it's more than just offering the time. I realize it's we as businesses, we need to offer resources, we need to offer community, we need to offer education on the on being a parent. Um, luckily, we worked with some amazing doulas who are actually clients of ours now, and we worked with them before we had the baby, and just being educated on the process on, and on you know all these different things about labor delivery, but postpartum. And then also, I'm really lucky. We're very fortunate that we have an amazing community of supporters, but not everyone has that. And so I can't, as businesses, if we want to retain our people and we want our people to have families and be able to come back to work feeling ready, feeling um, cared for, um, and just feeling strong mentally, physically, emotionally, we need to do more than just give them time off. We need to give them the ability to have community, have resources and all that. So that's been a lot of what I've been looking into lately of how companies can get better in that area. You know what I think is really enlightening too is 
the fallacy of what we're told about certain groups of people. And so we think about, you know, you guys are lumped in the, the millennials category, right? I, I think I'm mm -hmm. accurate on that yeah. when we talk about um, demographics. So you're lumped into that, yet you have hired professionals in your lives, lives here. You, know, you talk about doulas, you talk about business coaches. I'm sure there's other professionals mm -hmm. you guys have hired and paid good money to to do certain things in your lives. And, you know, if you would read, you'd think that you guys do everything on the Internet. You don't trust any professionals. You know, you guys just do it all on your own. And that that couldn't be farther from the truth, I think. I think successful professional millennials know what to outsource, what not to outsource, when they need expertise. I think that a lot of them do hire financial advisors too. things, you know, other people in their lives. You know, it's just so inherently important, you know, for them to do it. Absolutely. And I feel like that comes back to, you know, getting clear on your life purpose, getting clear on your why and getting clear on the things that you're good at and you like to do and getting the rest of the stuff off your plate so that you can create space to do those things you love to do. So off the top of my head, what are things that we've outsourced or professionals we work with? Uh, financial advising, um, business coach, life coach, doulas. We've taken online courses on how to get our newborn to sleep. We just took one on how to get our five month old to sleep because now she's five months old. We took an online course on how to introduce solids. Like we are not experts in so many things. And so we go out and we find those resources and we just soak up everything we can learn. And you actually pay for that. Like oh yeah. It's not all free. No, you know? like, no, we paid for all of that. We yeah, pay for exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's incredible. But the value it provides to our lives is so worth it. You know, the other, you can't look at everything as a cost. It's, it's an exchange of value. Mm -hmm. You know, what are you getting? And so, yeah. so Dan, what yeah. do you outsource? Do you, okay. Do you cut your own lawn? I, I do, but we have big trees and the grass doesn't grow. So that's kind of an easy <laughs> one. We have a small yard. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. What about, uh, what are other things that you would consider in the future? I mean, maybe you don't do it now, but I've thought about this. Like my wife, does laundry all the time. I'm like, mm -hmm. at some point, I got to get a laundry service for her, right? Because that just takes up a lot of her time. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm considering that. So one of the things our business coach helps us with is since like our business, he does it mostly entrepreneurs. Our business is our life. And he talks about, you know, we can hire someone in our business, a W-2 employee, or we can hire someone maybe to clean the house or who's like on your team to help free you your up those hours. Team. So it doesn't always have to be an employee in your business. It could be someone in your home. And I think that's such a fascinating concept. So we do have a Every other week we get our house cleaned and it has saved tons of time that we saved our marriage. Things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we're always looking for opportunities to do that. And I would love like the laundry thing. I would love to. Um, well, and we have a nanny. That. So we've outsourced, you know, our childcare during the day. So mm -hmm. she's there and she does the baby's laundry and things like that. Um, yeah. I feel like we've outsourced a lot of our life. Yeah. It's life team. I, I think yeah. I like that concept yeah. though. It's really interesting. You mm -hmm. know, having a team of professionals to help you, optimize your life and be as efficient as you guys can be and then earn as much income as you can too you know there's that work-life balance but then being able to to extract meaningful revenue out of those hours that you have absolutely and yes you have to pay for these services but by doing that we are able to recapture all of our time to focus on what we're good at and what we love to do and we're making a lot of money doing that i'm going to make a lot more money focusing on our business and what we do well not on, um, what are all the things I just said? Doing well, those other things. You're not cleaning, <laughs> you're not cleaning. as much. I mean, you're cleaning <laughs> yeah. some, but you're not cleaning as well, much. I think, right? you know, you think about those things too, like the, like my life coach or our doulas, because we had them, our labor delivery experience, everything was an empowering experience. And so we went into being new parents and maternity leave and paternity leave 
feeling so strong mentally, emotionally, physically. And then, you know, I have um, outsourced my workouts on maternity leave. So I have a coach who's helping me with that. And then I have my life coach. So I continue to remain strong. Um, and so that that's everything, you know, we were able to do what we, we were able to build this business right after having a baby because of all that support. Yeah. Leah said she's outsourcing her workouts, so she had somebody else work out. <laughs> That's a good one. For her. That's a good one. It's a new one. Basically, she's not yeah. Mom, she says it takes a long time to work. You <laughs> yep. just got to pay her yep. for a while. It, you know, it's, it's, it's a new concept. <laughs> or, you okay, know, I, I mean, have another. I have another. That's really outside the box. I like You this. stand on the treadmill and somebody moves your feet <laughs> with their hands, so you're not actually yeah, moving it's, your feet. It's, it's, it's a whole it's, new business model. It's a little model. strange, but I mean, it works for people. Wow. You know? Another thing, I do want to plug a local business because we also outsource some of our meals. Mm-hmm. Um, so we work with, uh, or we do the weekly meal plan with uh, Pasture and Plenty, which is an amazing new restaurant in Madison. And so it's like one, it's like Blue Apron or, you know, those things, except it's local good food. So you go to their location, you pick it up. It's all in like nice Tupperware. And yeah, so we do that help with the cooking. Yeah, that's actually been a big one. I'm surprised we didn't mention that earlier. But to bring this back to businesses, it's this thing the businesses should be doing to, to make sure their employees are fulfilled at home so they can work harder for them in the office. So I've always been a big fan. Lee introduced me to this concept years ago. It's called results-only work environment. And I always look for opportunities at these companies where I'd rather your employees give you six solid hours than to be there for 10 hours and you think that they're just such great employees because they're there that long and all they're doing is sitting on ESPN.com and or, or thinking about the things at home so how can you make sure that they're you, know, you take her as much as you can so they can give you the best hours while they're at work you need to look at your people holistically and realize that they have lives outside of work just like you want them to look at your business holistically i think that's great uh, you know i i've always said that the 40-hour week is um if anybody's working more than 40 hours I really don't think they're being efficient. Mm-hmm. I think you got 40 hours in your week, and that's max. And I think most people are probably better off working 30 to 32 hours a week if they're really busting it, you know? But they got to be working hard during those. And you say, like, results-oriented. You can't be screwing around during that. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I think we become a lot better as a company on that, too. You know, you just you run, you start running out of time, and you get, lo and behold, you get way more efficient, right? Well, yeah, and it's it's that idea of you're not being held to, I have to be here until this period of time, or I have to, you know, the, the company requires that I be here until 5 o'clock, you know, but if I leave at 4.59, then it's a crisis situation, and I think that that's, it's interesting how that shift has happened, where if you give the, the employees that freedom to be able to say, is your, if your work is getting done and, and the, the business is getting where it needs to go because of that, then... Okay, it doesn't matter whether you're here till four or five or six, you know. And I think that that's a huge shift within within businesses. It seems to me that it's more of a shift of of the business telling the employee that they have to adapt to the business, and more of the business adapting to what is the best skill set for that employee to be able to serve that business as well as they can. It's kind of an interesting dynamic in that way. Absolutely, and so kind of what with your what you're saying is that's a reason at our business we don't bill by the hour because we think that we've seen it in public accounting where that really stifles innovation because because people will be like okay I know I have to be here for 8 hours this client's paying by the hour I'm going to stretch out doing these tasks so I can just kind of do it leisurely and charge this client the same amount when really that task could be done in 2 hours and if that's the result is getting this client's books closed or what have you, if they could get it done in two hours and go home and live their lives, that's great. But they stretch it out. The client's paying more money. 
they're not being innovative and it's not something we condone. So we're not doing it in our business. Mm. I love that because uh, <laughs> I just always think about when we get legal advice, Nate, and every time that you call somebody and you're just like, don't ask me about my family. I don't want to talk to you about <laughs> anything. I just one time we went to an, an attorney and he's like four hundred plus dollars an hour on the square, and he's a great guy. But he talked to us for like five minutes about parking validation, and I was like, "No, we didn't bring our stupid ticket up, and that just cost us like fifty bucks." And Thank how you. terrible is that? You know, like that you're thinking about that whole time. Your heart's like racing. You're like, "Oh my gosh, I just need to get this advice and get out of here. I don't want to build a relationship because you're paying. You're making me pay for it." Ugh. I know. Doesn't feel good. So yeah. that's that's the big thing with the companies that need to change when they have the like uh, you said um, with the f- leaving at five o'clock is that when I used to work at the big accounting firm, when I had those people who were just doing the same thing for ten years, is they never encouraged themselves to be innovative, and the company never encouraged them to be innovative because they both knew you were there till five no matter what, and it was just always amazing that they they weren't giving the employee the the freedom to go home early if they get their tasks done. Great. Well, guys, I would like to wrap this up, but thank you very much for joining us. I think it was an enlightening podcast, Nate, don't you? Well, yeah, and I think it spawned a movie idea. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see <laughs> yeah. Warner Brothers put out a romantic a comedy. In it. And there'll be a narwhal in it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's become a thing in our house now. My son, like, every time he sees me, he'll like re, re, um, re-say that line from Elf, yeah. from the movie Elf. Yeah. Hi, Mr. Narwhal. <laughs> Hope you find Hi, your dad. Yeah, exactly. That's all. Like, you've never buddy, seen Elf. You find your dad. <laughs> it's the best part of Elf. <laughs> I'm. I'm. No, we're not going down the Elf. Okay. Path, it's <laughs> ten minutes, and, and I'll look bad in the end because I don't think it's that good of a movie. Anyways, <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us, and we will be back soon with hopefully more great guests like we had today. Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, and Mitch DeWitt are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make should be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.